You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, Episode 56. Ruth O'Neill got into podcasting as a last resort to try to get the traction she wanted in her business. She'd been in business for two years already, and she found that even though she was creating tons of content and was showing up on all the platforms, something was missing. She wasn't connecting with her audience like she wanted to, and that's what led her to podcasting. Ruth shared that she realized that sometimes you need to go through a really big slump to discover what you're meant to do. In this episode, Ruth and I talk about pivoting in your business, why podcasting is such a powerful way to communicate with your audience, and how to create a team that will get you the best results. You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, a podcast all about inspiring female creative entrepreneurs, their stories, experiences, and life lessons. Hear from women working in creative industries who are breaking the rules and doing things their way. Learn from their challenges, struggles, failures, and successes, and get an inside look at their top tools and resources that help them along the way. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Hustlenomics podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and today I am so excited to be talking with Ruth O'Neill. She is a podcast strategist, coach, and speaker. So, Ruth, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, Katie, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So do you mind just telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and and everything that you do with your company? Absolutely. So first and foremost, I'm a wife and a mom. I have two little boys and they are, they keep me on my toes. They're a joy. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur. I started my business in brand strategy and graphic and web design. I've done graphics for um, going on 13 years. Um, So that's what I started with, but I fell in love with podcasting after I started my podcast. And that is actually the direction I've taken my business. So I help people to strategize, launch, and then really optimize their show and get to create that amazing listener journey for their listeners. And then also to create raving fans for their podcasts. So that's what I do now. So when did you get into podcasting? Was it like at the beginning stages of it? No. So it was after two and a half years um, of kind of struggling to get traction. I felt, you know, I was learning so much about graphic and web design and I was, you know, trying implementing brand strategy and helping some clients, but I felt like I was just not getting the traction that I wanted or that I really honestly felt that I deserved. So I was kind of at a last resort of, you know, should I throw in the towel? Should I join another MLM? Like, what should I do? And I had heard that, you know, podcasting is a great thing and it's not that hard to do. I'd already been producing a lot of content, but not, not a podcast and not really video content. So I thought, you know what? I'm really good at talking. I'll just start a podcast. And I completely, I completely fell in love with it. It was so awesome before I launched when I was batching some episodes. It was so amazing speaking with other influencers and other people in my industry. And I just completely fell in love with doing the whole reporter aspect of, of podcasting and really kind of being that advocate for my audience to kind of get those golden nuggets from the guests and kind of provide that for my audience. So I just really fell in love with that and decided to just kind of really focus my business on what I would do if money was not an object. And so that is what I'm on. I'm on that journey to just really do what I love. Yeah, that's amazing. And I definitely want to talk about everything you do with podcasts now, but I'd love to go back a little bit and kind of hear about your background. Did you go to school for any, you know, web design or branding or what was your journey kind of up until this point starting your business? Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. Growing up, I didn't have the best home life. There were some things that that happened that kind of made 
made me very depressed as a child. And graphics was actually, we I had a laptop and I had access to Adobe Photoshop and that was the only program that was on that computer. And being able to create graphics and be able to troubleshoot and try to do websites and everything like that was something that I could do that I felt really was able for me to create something that was beautiful, you know, being able to create beautiful graphics that just like stunned people and that would people would put on their websites and everything. That was just something that was really fun for me. And it was a, it was a really good opportunity for me to create something beautiful when my life was not very beautiful. So I actually am a completely self-taught web and graphic designer. So I started when I was 12 years old and I've been doing that for, gosh, I um, like 14, 15 years now. Yeah, I guess it has been that long. <laughs> so it's just, it was been a hobby. And then when I decided to start a business, um, I just kind of dove into, you know, doing what I know. And then, so that's where I decided to um, do graphic and web design. And then I took courses, did had mentorship, read tons of books about brand strategy. So I wanted to be able to kind of give that other angle as well. Yeah, absolutely. Did you work in any other jobs before start deciding to start a business? I did. Yeah. So after I graduated from high school, I actually got a job at a very small Catholic um, academy and I didn't have to have any bachelor's degree. I didn't really know. I didn't want to go to college, but I didn't really know what else I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll work and I'll teach at this little school. And so I did that for two years and I really loved it. The first year it was, I taught all of the elementary and junior high math, which was not my favorite. But the second year I taught um, third and fourth grade homeroom. And I absolutely loved that. Um, after um, so yeah, I was there for two years and then I ended up moving from Minnesota to Kansas. Um, I was dating the man who is now my husband and one of us had to move the whole long distance thing just was not working out. And so I moved down and was not able to find, um, you know, a job as a teacher. Obviously I didn't have that, uh, the bachelor's degree or anything like that. So I became a manager at a security firm for a couple of years um, we got married and then I had my first son and did the whole stay at home mom thing until I got really bored completely out of my mind and decided that something had to change. And so that's when I started my business. Well, that's amazing. And I know for most people, that journey, it takes a while and it's a little bit intimidating. So what were some of those feelings that you're going through when you decided like, I've got to do something, but it's a big thing to start a business. Oh, hundred um, percent. The first thing I actually did was I brushed up on my graphic and web design skills, but I joined an MLM because I didn't know any better. <laughs> Not that MLMs are bad. There are some really awesome ones out there, but I didn't really know what affiliate marketing was. And I really kind of bought that dream of, oh, I don't have to work, but I still get paid. Like, this is great. You know, how am I just finding out about this now? And so I ended up joining a couple MLMs that just completely gave me a very sour taste in my mouth. And it was really kind of unfortunate. And it got, you know, after several months of just being really kind of annoyed with the whole, like, this is not what I thought an entrepreneur was like. So I decided that's really when I was like, all right, I got to go into business for myself. I got to work this for myself. And so that's when I really started to kind of promote myself as a graphic and web designer. That's awesome. And some people rave about MLMs and some people are like, it's the devil. So I mean, and there's in between. Mm -hmm. So like for people out there who might not ready to jump into being a business owner, but are interested in MLMs, do you have any tips for... I don't know, looking out for the scammers or, you know, just trying to find something that would be legitimate. Yeah, I think it's really important to do your research. And I know that sounds like such a, like a common thing, like 
common sense, but it's so like, I, I didn't know what affiliate marketing was. And so since I bought the dream, I didn't know that I should research it. And there are so many different companies out there that make it sound like it's so easy and you can have, you know, there are really great companies out there who are multi-level marketing companies. And there are some really awesome people who have great success. But the thing to keep in mind is the majority of people who are in MLMs are not big earners at all. Most of them are just making their investment back every single month. And so do your research. And then also like one thing that is, you know, I have some friends who even do MLM and they have success with it. One thing that's really important to keep in mind is that if you keep your audience, the people who are going to be using the products, if you keep them in mind and you really try to make sure that you are um, positioning your whether it's your offer or whether it's just your posts, your content, everything like that, if you position it in a way that, you know, this is going to help them not buy this product because, you know, I want to go on a retreat or things. And, and you know, it's all about how you position it. So if you really position it in a way that you actually care about the audience and you care about the products and the service, um, I think it just kind of boils down to how you position everything. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just listened to The Dream, which is an interesting podcast about, and it's funny that you said you fell for The Dream. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about MLMs and kind of like their background and history. It's just fascinating if you're interested in the, you know, the idea and the history of it. So I always recommend that. I'm like, gotta tune in. It's it's fascinating. That's interesting. I've never heard of that podcast before. Yeah, you should look it up. It's definitely worth a listen. Awesome. I will definitely take a look. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned you started your first business is more branding and content creation. And so why did you decide to transfer from that kind of realm to a more niche realm, I guess, considering podcasting is relatively new? <laughs> right. So like again, like I worked, you know, my graphic and web design business for over two and a half years and I was working my tail off and I was promote I was doing content, I was doing how-to videos, I was reaching out to people locally and you know, I had a website, had all these things and I just was not getting the traction. And I think with certain different businesses like Fiverr with Upwork and there's some other ones that are like that and they really the people who are on there are really great people, but they really discount their services. And so when I knew what my skills were worth and I was charging more, people would just tell me, oh, I can just get it done cheaper elsewhere. And especially when it came to brand strategy, there was a really big education gap I found that people didn't know what branding was. They thought branding and marketing were like the same thing. And when it boils down to it, branding, if, if you don't really know what it is, you're not going to set aside a specific budget to create those those assets because you don't know that. Like we don't know what we don't know. And so I just found that there was such an education gap that I was spending lots of time on discovery calls with potential clients, giving them so much information and like helping them, you know, hoping that I would be able to close that sale. And in the end, they they were so overwhelmed with all the information that they didn't know that they just didn't want to proceed at all. And so it was just really frustrating and I wasn't getting the traction that I wanted at that time, at the time when I started podcasting, I had two kids and I was like, this is just, I feel like I was running in circles and I just, it was just really frustrating. My husband was working at a job that would like actually made him like physically ill. So I was like, I need to get him out of there. But for me, the branding and the web and the graphic design was just not, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And I think I had to go through that really big slump 
in order for for my attention to be turned on what it needed to be turned on, which is podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, most entrepreneurs know that your business will change and grow with you as you change and grow as a person. And that's totally natural. But sometimes making that huge transition, you know, it's a lot of people are intimidated by that. So when you decided to transition your branding, transition your company, what were some of those first steps that you took? Yeah, the first step was I literally, I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of person. So I took down all of my web websites. I took down all of my funnels. I literally changed overnight all of my social media, my covers, my like what I was talking about. And there, I mean, there's pros and cons to doing it like that. You know, one of the pros is, well, you did it, so you can't go back, you know? But one of the cons is that my audience that I had been nurturing for you know, two and a half years. And even though a lot of them had never done business with me, they followed me because of the content and things like that. They were confused. And Katie, I know we both know that like confused people don't buy. And so it took me a while to kind of let them in on, Hey, this is actually what I'm going to be doing. I launched this podcast and I fell in love with it. And now I'm podcasting and I'm going to help you guys and everything like that. So one of the biggest struggles, and I'm still kind of going through that now, since I only transitioned my business a few months ago, but one of the biggest struggles that I've been dealing with is creating the team to be able to help me support the clients that I have. And it's completely different than the, than the team that I had for branding. I was using freelancers for, for branding and graphics, but now trying to find people who have that different skill set for audio editing and, you know, just being able to communicate with them at a higher volume since I have those clients, that's just been a challenge. It's just one of those, you know, those growing pains that we have to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to talk about hiring because that's something that I don't get to talk a lot about, but just for people who don't really know what podcast management is, what are all the services that you offer? So we do complete like done with you services. So, and I say done with you because technically for a podcast, we can't do it for you. You know, you have to be producing the episodes. You have to be, you know, engaging with your audience online when they, when they're commenting on your podcast and things like that. So the done with you service that we have is we help with strategy calls. We help you pretty much line out your entire show for the entire year and create um, a content uh, structure so that you can very easily produce, mass produce your episodes and it not take you a whole lot of time. Um, so we do that. We also create custom funnels to really position um, our clients as the authority and the credibility in their industry. So we have several different funnels that we have. We have a credibility funnel, we have a podcast funnel, and then we have a membership site funnel which is an awesome project that we work on with our clients. Um, and so we have those different assets. We also help with all of the editing for the podcast, all of the description, all of the scheduling. So at the end of the day, after we go through that entire podcast launch, you know, there's a lot of hype that has to be created and you have to engage with your audience and let them know about this awesome show that you have. But once it's launched, you know, we've taken care of all of the tech aspects all our clients have to do is record the podcast episode and then deliver it to us. And we do all of the editing and the descriptions and the scheduling. So all they're responsible for is publishing through their social media, saying that they have a new episode released, or this is who they spoke with, 
or, um, you know, just kind of constantly letting their audience know that they have that they have a podcast. We also offer show notes, blog posts and things like that as well. So it's all of our all of our packages are pretty custom because everybody needs something a little bit different. So right now we're doing really custom packages. So we do have the, you know, the one on one, which is a done with you launch. And then we're actually in the process of creating a do it yourself for the people who maybe aren't ready to make the full investment of actually working with a team and having it done for them. So we're working on creating that do it yourself version as well. Very cool. So you mentioned something that I would love to kind of expand on a credibility funnel. So what does that mean exactly? So a lot of times when people launch a podcast, half the time the people are already successful in what they do because they have a business, but maybe nobody knows really who they are as a person. They might not have that personal brand. So a credibility funnel is basically a place where you send organic traffic. It's not necessarily something that you drive ads to because there's a lot of different buttons on there. And again, confused people just click out of it. They don't check it out. So it's something that you can put on your social media profiles. It's also something that you can put people are interested in having you as a guest. What the credibility funnel is, it basically positions you as an amazing person. It really highlights the authority and the expert that you are. So it talks about your experience. It talks about the different programs that you have. It talks about experiences that you've had throughout your business. It talks about any, whether you have eBooks, whether you have physical books, all the different aspects of your business, it's all wrapped into one. It's all copyrighted in a specific way that really kind of commands that authority and positions you as somebody who knows what they're doing. Because one of mine, for instance, we just launched his podcast yesterday and he has had massive success in his business. He's a multi seven figure owner, a gym owner, and he's, he's had massive success, but nobody really knows who he is personally. He's the guy behind the brand, but nobody really sees that. And so what we had to do is we had to really position him as the authority in what what he's done for his businesses. So that's basically the long version of what a credibility funnel is. It really just helps position with specific languaging to give other people confidence in having you on their show or even joining some of your programs. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, cool. I was just personally interested what that that definition was for you guys. So you mentioned hiring and how difficult it is to build a team. And, and since you're building a team of all new experts who have all new skills, what has that been like? And you mentioned some of those challenges. If you don't mind so, just diving into this a little bit, I'd love to hear about it. My team and I, we are still working out some stuff. I think it's a constant growing Thing. And I think that that is something that is really important to something that's really important to understand is even though you have a team, your team is still human and your team still has needs and you're still your team is still going to make mistakes. So some people put a team in place and they think that everything will be perfect and they don't have to really, you know, they can put the systems in place and then walk away. The problem is your your a team, a really good team is a well-oiled machine. There needs to be high touch. There needs to be that really good communication. And it's not something that you can just assume people to, you know, take over and know everything about your business. And so I think as far as for me for hiring I worked with a lot of freelancers with my graphic and web design business. When it came to podcasting, I really have a, not that I didn't have a high level of um, excellence, you know, or expectance of excellence in my branding, but when it, especially when it came to podcasting, it's such an intimate, an intimate experience with your audience. Like you're talking directly to them. And most of the time 
your audience is busy doing other things and they decided to tune into you while they're working out, while they're driving, you know, to the gym, while they're going grocery shopping. And it's such an intimate way to speak like literally directly to them. Whereas with video, people get distracted. They start looking at the video and it's not something that you can, in my opinion, get as much of a uh, point across. I really wanted to have a, a high excellence, you know, production team. And so what I have done is um, I went through a few freelancers and it just really wasn't a good fit. Communication is something, again, that's really important to me. And so I went through a few freelancers and then um, actually I am working with a project manager. He's based out of Mexico, but he already had experience building a team. And so him and I are working to build a team with other people who are based in Mexico so that we can help the economy there as well. And these people are all people who have the higher education. Some of them have even gone to like film school in Hollywood. They're absolutely amazing people. And so we are building that team and he is helping me do that in, you know, remotely. So that has been really awesome is connecting with those people. And it sometimes seems like you're the only person, you know, who needs this or sometimes we feel like we're a unicorn and we're the only person who could ever understand, you know, this part of our business. But it's really important to find other people that you can trust, find other people who that's their specialty is project managing and building teams. Because it's in order to partner, in order to like make the best moves in your business, you need other people who compliment you. And you can't be making all the decisions because you're so biased and you're so in your business that until you're at the top and you're the CEO, you know, in that capacity where all you're doing is working on your business, it's really hard for us to sometimes make those important decisions. So being able to find somebody that that is what their, you know, zone of genius is and partner with them that has made all a humongous change and all the world of difference in my hiring process because now he helps bring in the candidates, we both vet them and then he helps to to train them, get them up to speed and that's just what he's amazing at. So it's not my zone of genius, so I should not technically be the person who is trying to do that. Right. No, that's amazing. And I, I love delegation. and I love being able to admit what your strengths are and your weaknesses are and being able to hand things off to people. And so once you guys are together vetting some of your candidates, do you have any specific questions or really core things that you're always going to bring up or ask them to make sure that they're a good fit for you? Because I know I've never hired anybody and I'm always yeah, curious so about other people's hiring Some of the process. questions, they just um, are more based on like our values. I don't work on Sundays and I would never expect my team to work on Sundays unless there is an absolute like emergency project has to be due or, you know, something happened, you know, the someone's podcasting feed isn't submitting or something like that. Um, but so a lot of it has to do with, you know, just like values and making sure that they have good communication. Um, a lot of the time we're at, we actually will just kind of let them go with it and we will ask them a couple questions in the beginning but we more let them actually direct the conversation because that really helps us to get an idea of how well they are at communicating their ideas and that their expertise and another thing too is a lot of it is as far as graphics go as far as podcasting goes a lot of that is the proof is in the pudding so if they're saying they have experience they should be able to provide some projects that they've already worked on and so that's that's a huge thing for me is I listen to the quality of the editing or for graphics, I look at the different designing and I know what I'm looking for. So we will also give them a little bit of a 
a test run, you could say. I have several different videos that I'll send them and be like, can you produce something similar to this, but with my branding and with my voice and then see how they're, how they're able to do that and just see if that's a a good fit. Um, because some, you know, most of the time they are going to be, you know, pretty good fits, but when you're growing your business, you do have to be kind of picky and they can be amazing people, but they might not be the right amazing person for your team. Right. Totally. And going from a solopreneur to somebody else's boss, no, is that an well, easy transition for My husband will completely <laughs> admit that. Actually, I am the biggest control freak, but he's really helped me out. Um, my husband is actually my executive assistant and he helps me to have that. He's very objective and he helps me to really know what I do and do not need to be focusing on and what I need to let go of. Like what is just not something that I need to be having my hand in. And so that has been really helpful is to get that that outside opinion of somebody that I really, really trust. But honestly, what I did is I wrote down two lists. I wrote down every single task. <laughs> this took a really long time, by the way. <laughs> I wrote down every single task that I do. And then I wrote down like, okay, so for, for instance, we'll say I edit a podcast episode. I also create a description. I also have to upload it into my hosting service. I also create a graphic for my guest that I have on. I also create a customized um, description about how I know the guest or why it was awesome that they were on my show. I post that to Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. Like I put like all of those things. I wrote down all of those tasks for absolutely everything in my business. And then I wrote down another list of all the things that I want to do and all the things that I should be doing in order to move the needle forward in my business. And I have a very short list. My list pretty much is record podcast episodes with awesome people, get on other people's shows and add value, um, create awesome content, create my uh, coaching programs, work with my clients. Like it's a very short list of the things I need to do and that I want to do, not the things that I think I need to do. Because let's admit it, none of us are unicorns. <laughs> none of us could not be replaced in what we do. And a lot of times when we're able to delegate those tasks to people who that is their one zone of genius, then they're really able to produce amazing results for us because they're having, they have one focus. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, we our, fo- our, our attention, our focus is, is pulled in so many different directions that we honestly can't be producing the quality of, you know, content material, et cetera, that we want to, if we're trying to do everything. So it's really humbling, honestly, to admit that you don't, you're not so rare <laughs> that you have to be doing everything and that your talent is so rare that you're the only person who can do it. Um, so it's, it's kind of humbling, but once you're able to get to that point, it's really freeing and it's so awesome to be like, oh, I don't have to do this. So I need to write a system or a process and need to hand this to my team. I mean, it's, it's really awesome. I'm glad you brought up like systems and processes and automations and, and, you know, all of that stuff, because that's what I'm trying to implement more of that into my business. Do you use tools to create these systems for your, your team and for yourself? I'm actually really simple. So when I'm doing um, systems and like processes, I wrote, I write down all the different tasks in a Google doc. And then for particular things, I will use a loom video and I will just show them how I do something. So for instance, if I'm showing them how I edit a podcast episode, how I import it, attach the intro and the outro, things like that. I'll show them my process and then say, like, 
I don't care which editing platform they use, but this is the quality of the product that I would like to be produced. Um, so I just basically go through a Google Doc, I write down all the main things, and then I have subpoints of all the other points, like what is actually involved in creating a guest graphic for, for my show. Well, you have to import it into Photoshop. You have to open up the document. You have to, you know, get the photo, like all of those different things. So I keep it really simple and do a lot of bullet points and loom videos. I like that because I think that I'm a visual learner. So that has to be so helpful. And they can go back and reference it if they, if they need it as well. And it sounds like you are super productive. And I'm not sure if that's just been something that you've gotten better at um, as you've been a business owner. But do you have any like tips and tricks for productivity that yeah, has really honestly, been helpful um, I for appreciate you? the compliment, but I am not a very productive person. I feel like, and I think we're our, ourselves worth worst critic. <laughs> but um, one thing that has just been has helped me to really focus is in addition to obviously delegating and having that team to focus on one particular thing and have like one mission for the day. And before you sit down at your computer, before you get on the phone with somebody to really know like, what is my intention of sitting down at my computer right now? Like, what am I working on? And deleting social media that you do not need. Very recently, I made two different changes that have really impacted my productivity in the morning and my morning routine. And that is I turn my phone on airplane mode before I go to bed. And I do not take it off of airplane mode until 11 o'clock in the morning. And my clients know that. They know that I will not be answering Voxers or anything like that. You know, unless I know that there's a project due, you know, at 9 a.m. or something, I might check it. But on a pretty normal basis, I don't. I also, this is, this was huge for me. <laughs> I also deleted Facebook off of my phone and I stopped telling myself that I have to do Facebook stories. I stopped telling myself that I have to reply to people in order to be a good businesswoman. I stopped that because I was spending hours and hours and hours and hours of getting distracted and then scrolling and then comparing myself to other people and, and their success and how, how much progress they're making or, or whatever. And so then it was like, you know, ruining my focus, making me feel depressed, making me feel negative about myself when I've been working so hard and, you know, all this stuff. And so that has been absolutely huge. And then having a good morning routine, I think is, um, it's something that a lot of people have. And I think that's just solid advice is the less decisions that you have to make in your day, the better. So have a morning routine, just get up, have the same thing every day, do the same thing every day. Sometimes monotonous can be good. And sometimes your brain doesn't have to use the, that extra glucose in order to make those decisions. And then when you sit down and you're trying to be productive on your business, you're able to actually have way more creative juices flowing. And then you also have, you have more energy to spend on other priorities. So your business, your relationships with other people, if you can kind of cut out some of those different decisions that you have to make in the morning, that's huge. Not checking your phone. Now it's, I don't even have to decide not to check my phone. It's not even an option. Like it's on airplane mode. You know, I, I just don't check my phone. I don't check Facebook. It's not, now I don't have to even decide like, should I, should I not, you know, should I message this person back or not? It's like, no, I just, I simply don't. So that's been really helpful. Yeah, gosh, that all sounds fantastic. And that phone thing, like putting it away, not having Facebook, like that is the hardest thing to do. But I go through like a couple of social media detoxes mm -hmm. throughout the year. And it's the most relaxing it is, part it's of really my year. Freeing, I have to isn't say. it? Like now it, it, you don't feel obligated 
to check into Facebook. Like nobody cares if you message them right away. Like, let's be honest. You're the only person who cares. You want the dopamine, but if you're able to actually just kind of get on top of that. And I think the big thing is, is you have to decide like your social media and your business does not run you, you run your business. So you are in control of making those decisions. If you don't like something, change it. If you don't like the way your business is heading, change it. If you're not hot on this person that you hired and they're just not up to par and they, you know, you've been trying to work with them and everything like that. It's in your business's best interest to fire them. And I don't mean that in a way of, oh, they made one mistake or, oh, they're just a teeny bit slow. If you're actually giving them and helping them and it's not working and it's slowing processes down in your business and it's also kind of hindering your other performance of your other um, employees you owe it to yourself and you owe it to them to, to fire that person. So like you're, you are completely in control. If you don't like something, you're the only person who can change it. And you're not tied down to, um, I mean, going back to graphic and and branding, like I, I felt like I was tied down until I realized the only person who was tying me down to that business that I created first was me. I agree a hundred percent. And speaking of social media, since we've kind of delved into that a little bit, how have you kind of structured that for yourself? So you're not feeling that burnout and that just annoying feeling. Yeah. So I still have Instagram on my phone and I still will do Insta stories from there. And I'm, I'm kind of at the point where I'm debating on whether or not I'm going to continue that, or if I'm going to take a break on that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still on the fence as far as that goes, as far as, um, you know, Facebook goes as far as posting and things like that. It's all in creating the bulk content and scheduling it out and just being on top of everything. So with one of the content um, systems that we use in our business throughout, so throughout July now, we're working on all the content for August. And then at the end of July, we'll take one day and I'll record all the videos that will be per, that will be distributed in August. So my four YouTube videos will be all created. And then I also do a live, I just recently started doing it this way, a live Facebook post every single day, but I'm going to give you guys a secret. I am actually going to be pre-recording all of those live videos. And then I'm going to be having the, using a software. So it says I'm live when I'm not live because I don't want to have to be tied down to that. I want to be able to take my kids swimming in the afternoon and not feel like at three o'clock I have to stop and go do a live video. So I'm actually going to be pre-recording all of those videos. And then the cool thing with that is you can repurpose those content or that content. So all my Facebook videos are under 10 minutes so that I can put them on IGTV. And then I can also put them on uh, Pinterest and I have other places that I uh, LinkedIn. And so I put them there as well. So you can just repurpose a lot of that. You don't have to create a new video for everything. And then having, as far as creating all that content, just have one main theme for the month and then divide that theme into four different topics that support your main theme. And then out of each of those different topics, those topics represent represent one week, divide that topic into five subtopics. And there you go. You have five different video topics that support. And so like your, your audience then kind of knows what to expect from you. You can kind of start creating that pattern. That's amazing. It's What's that software you're one stream using? Dot live. And there's also other softwares called Live Pigeon, but I just, just did the comparison and you get way more uh, one stream live than you do for Live Pigeon and it's half the price. So it allows you to really to upload to schedule and things like that. So it's really, it's really, really awesome. That's amazing. I think that's something I've been thinking about doing for a long time because 
going live is terrifying to me. Like I can't even record a video without messing up 10 million times. So I'm like, there's no way I can do live video. <laughs> so that's fantastic that they, that they're offering services for, for people to kind of still get that engagement. Exactly. And the awesome so thing the too spot. is just on that note is you can always, you know, go live on the same day. You can always do two live videos the same day. So even if one is pre-recorded, you can always go live later and really engage with your audience. Cause the biggest thing that like my clients and other friends of mine, and I know who use it, they say like, Oh, I don't want to use it because it, you know, I'm not engaging with my audience then. And the reality is most of the time, I don't know about you, but most of the time I don't have 10, 15, 20 minutes to just watch one live video and have people commenting, being like, oh, hey, Susan, thanks for jumping on. Oh, hey, hi, hi. Like, I just want to hear what you want to say. And so if you're able to just kind of get down to the the point in like three to five minutes, deliver massive value, they're really not going to care if you're commenting back to them or not. You can answer their questions in the chat afterwards, but like, don't let that not don't let that hold you back. Don't let that hold you back from putting those videos up there. And it'll just really help to nurture your audience as you create friends. Yeah, I'm loving that. I love that. I think I'm going to start trying to do that myself. And you've mentioned like so many amazing resources already, but if there's anything out there, like um, any business books or podcasts or courses or anything that you found helpful as a business owner or even just personally that you would recommend to yeah, listeners, yeah, I mean, that I could name off courses well. like till the cows come home. And I'm a, I'm a huge, I have a love hate relationship with different courses because I think a lot of us get pulled into the shiny object syndrome of this will be the next fix. But as far as books to read, I definitely, if you haven't read Russell Brunson's dot uh, com secrets or expert secrets, definitely that's a great place to start with kind of figuring out how to bring your business online or how to speak with your audience and things like that. Um, as far as other podcasts goes, my favorite probably hands down is Brendan Bouchard's. I just love his high performance tips and tricks of just how to be a, you know, just a, a higher performing human <laughs> entrepreneur. Um, so as far as that goes, I would probably have to say that, that those would be the places to start. Also, Alex Sharfin has a really awesome podcast called Momentum. That one's really great. And they give a lot of you know tips and tricks. For the lady listeners, I like Rachel Hollis. I think she has a lot of great tangible, um, tangible advice. And she has some really good thoughts as well about just, you know, kind of crushing self-limiting beliefs and really stepping into your greatness. So yes. also somebody really great for, yeah, for as far as ladies go. Yeah, definitely. And as far as resources go, you're offering a coaching yeah, so service coming up soon. Beta is that coaching right? coming out. So it's for people who have a podcast or are aspiring to have a podcast. It's going to be group coaching weekly with awesome resources. We're going to have some done for you funnels in there so they can plug and play them, customize them really quick, and they have them up and going just to make it really easy to get their podcast out to the world. So we have that going on. And that's just going to be about how to be a better host, how to ask better questions, how to engage with your listeners, how to create raving fans. How can you reach out to other influencers to be on your podcast? Like just all the great tips and tricks to having a really successful podcast. So that's coming out and we're doing that is a beta group that's starting in August. So I'm very excited for that. Fantastic. Yeah, so and how can everybody find you online? Social media handle across all platforms is Ruth O'Neill HQ. And then if you want to go to Ruth O'Neill HQ.com, you'll be introduced to my credibility funnel. Da-da. And you can see uh, we have some different coaching there. And you can also, if you want to schedule a call to chat, I would just love to chat with anybody. And that's Ruth O'Neill HQ.com slash chat with Ruth. And if you want to join our bold pr- 
Entrepreneur Facebook group. We're talking all things podcasting and growing your business forward. Yes, and you have a podcast as well. I definitely want to plug that. Yeah, so join the Operation Bold family. So it's Operation Bold across iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the good, all the good platforms. So we talk about basically how do entrepreneurs gain authority and gain credibility and grow their businesses vertically versus horizontally? Because that's a thing of the past. And so just tips and tricks. We interview millionaires successful people, people who have really great businesses, but nobody knows who they are, but they have so much amazing content, a really wide range of awesome people who drop some amazing gold nuggets. And um, we're also um, starting a, I'm very excited about this. We're starting a asset vault. So every time that you listen to the podcast, there are going to be different freebies that we're going to be offering. And they're going to be all in a free asset vault that you can check out, have a free membership for life and download those different things from me and from the other guests that we have on. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you again for coming on the show. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, Katie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Don't forget that you can check out previous episodes as well as all the show notes at www.hustlenomicspodcast.com. If you want to support the show, you can head over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. Each review means so much to me, and it really helps the podcast on the business end. If you want to find another way to support the show, we're also on Patreon. You can find a link to our Patreon on our website. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like to hear covered on the show, feel free to DM me on Instagram or send me an email. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast. Be sure to visit www.hustlenomicspodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover bonus content. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or if you want to apply to be a guest, use the contact form found on our website. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep hustling.